America's first family of 21st century LGBTQ media. OutQ's Johnny Mac and Logo's Richie Roy. Together for your entertainment, for your understanding, and for some of you, for your fantasies. Or bewilderment. Brothers from a different mother united for the Gay BC Happy Hour. Gentlemen, time to show off your, uh, mic technique. It's not just Thanksgiving, it's Richie Roy's birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. That is true. It is my 44th. 44. Yes. Well, I'm glad you're celebrating it with us. Exactly. Celebrating it with the happy hour crew and uh, and all the other turkey carnivores. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine, uh, Johnny Mac, that you are not having a tofurkey uh, this year. Oh, are you kidding me? I eat turkey like every week, multiple times a week. So it's not like it's <laughs> something special for me in that sense. But usually I get it only just a little bit of it at a time. So mm-hmm. the special thing about Thanksgiving for me is that I get to smell the turkey and all the fixings in the kitchen on Christmas. Or I mean on on. Uh, Thanksgiving Day. Oh yeah, no, yeah. that's. I mean, that is the one of the best parts is just the smell of all of those nice, rich dishes suffusing the whole house with that smell. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. How are you spending the day today? Uh, so I'm going up to my neighbor's house. Uh, I have a uh, I have a house guest visiting from Toronto, and we are going to my neighbor's house, and it's just going to be the four of us. Um, and uh, I think it'll be a fun time. They're they're really uh, great people, and um, they like to chat and have a a, a gay old time, as it were. So, a gay old yeah, time. That's what we're here for. We're here to give everybody within the sound of our voice a gay old time. And exactly. We hope that they'll celebrate this Thanksgiving and this forty fourth anniversary of your birth with us uh, on the show. Let me first give out a phone number for those who. We're fortunate enough to get the invite to come and listen to our pre-recording because this is a pre-recorded show because of the holidays so that we can spend that time with our loved ones or friends and family. Um, that number is 760 If you're listening to us live on Thursday or later, of course, that number's not going to work for you. But it could have. It could have. And for those who've been waiting all that time, who've been listening to our podcast, Richie, and wanted to be able to call in in the week following our show and comment on things or bring things to us uh, before the next show, um, we're going to be able to finally do that within the next week. That's that's actually happening. I am so happy to say we found Joe the engineer. He's no longer uh, missing in action. And so that's getting fixed as we speak. But I wanted to start off uh, this happy birthday and holiday edition uh, this year uh, and ask you and our other members of our audience about what it is that they're thankful for this year on Halloween or on, on Thanksgiving. I see. I, I've already said Christmas once. Now I've said Halloween. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. Come on, Johnny yeah. Mac. Let's get it together here. And what I what I 
you know, with all the negative stuff, all the yucky stuff that we get to hear about day in and week out throughout the year, it's hard sometimes to remember that there are things for us to be thankful for when we get to a day like today. How about you, Richie? What are you thankful for in this past year? Hmm. That's a good question. I think, you know, and this sounds, it sounds glib, but it actually, I think is not, which is, um, friends new and old, because I think that, um, I think just life, you know, as it kind of unfolds for, for each of us, um, I think one of the things that, that becomes more valuable over time, you know, is our friendships. And what I'm really happy about is that um, I have some really great friends who I've known for many, many years and that I continue to be good friends with. But I've also, over the past, you know, couple years, made a bunch of new friends. And um, That, by the way, and, is not normally a easy feat coming out of a pandemic that had us all hiding away from one another. So go ahead and talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of where this comes from is is um, from Twitter spaces, which um, for those who don't know, um, Twitter or X, I guess I'm never going to call it that. But Twitter has this function called spaces, which are basically kind of audio chat rooms and anyone can create a space. And over the past couple of years, um, you know, I, I've been pretty active in that realm and have met just a bunch of really interesting people from literally around the world, from different age brackets, different socioeconomic statuses, different careers, different lives, um, rural, urban, you name it. Um, it really runs the gamut, you know, everything from people who, you know, a VP of a, you know, of a, of a national healthcare company to a, a long haul trucker, um, and everything in between. And, um, and through that process, I've made really good new friends. And, you know, when I went to, uh, when I went to Palm Springs recently, I got to meet a bunch of those friends for the first time in person. And it just kind of, um, it just solidified for me that these are actually true friends that I've made. And so, you know, I think as an adult, sometimes it's hard to make new friends. Um, you know, you, you have your old friends, but you know, new friends are a little bit hard to come by sometimes apart from maybe work. And so I've been very thankful to have met a ton of new people uh, and and to to have the privilege of calling them friends. So for me, that's something I'm very thankful for. Absolutely. Yeah, I, and I, I could sit here and say ditto to all of what you just said because many of the people who you have as new friends over the last couple of years, uh, I've been able to share in that as well uh, with some of those same people. And, of course, that is how we met. So I'm very thankful mm -hmm. that even though I do not like the platform or its ownership, um, I'm thankful that it is there and available to us to create our own families and friendships that we have uh, created over these past couple of years and and so it's really been a, a very um, great experience for me as well uh, I think as somebody who has had to face a lot of physical challenges with health over the last several years but especially in this past year um, I was put in a situation I have not talked about very openly but uh, I know you know about it and some of our other closer friends know, but um, in the past year, it was determined because of a 
a couple of strokes that I had in the last four, four and a half years that um, the impact that I had on or that that had on my brain uh, created some situations that have made it harder for me to do what I have done for a living for all of my life and that I had to begin to look at um, living within uh, at, at living within my means in mm-hmm. terms of my abilities not uh, necessarily you know financially but definitely right. in terms of um, having uh, you know the ability to to just get by in life be able to walk down the street and and so I am really thankful this year um, for a couple of things one for my significant other Charlie and people have heard me refer to him on here in the past and also um, for my close friends who along with him have helped me to to survive this past year but especially for the fact that I still have my wits about me and can still function uh, and remember a lot of things even though not as well as I used to so I'm I'm thankful for having the health that I have right now and for the um, fact that I live in the state of California which has a lot of social safety nets that have made it so that I have not had to worry like many of our friends in other parts of the country would if they had gone through some of the same things that I am because of the the uh, social services and and just the opportunity to have access to health care and stuff that um, that a lot of people are not fortunate enough to have at this time so those have really been the focus um, for me let's go to the um, telephone lines Richie and uh, say hello to one of our callers hi who's calling hey this is Anthony in Sacramento hey Anthony welcome hey so definitely one of the things I'm very uh, thankful for this past year is my opportunity that has presented itself to go back and get an ongoing education. Um, it's something that's been an expensive endeavor for me. Um, and I realize that it's not something that everyone has available to them. And every time I've been able to further my education this year, I've always stopped and thought, how fortunate I am um, that it's been a blessing for me. So um, also uh, in the past week here, I've been doing some volunteer work with the homeless and uh, I was actually out giving haircuts to people who were in need. And uh, it was a wonderful opportunity to give something back to the community. Uh, The three men that I gave haircuts to today, they all felt better about themselves after they had been uh, cleaned up a bit. And um, they kind of agreed that, hey, you know, they're going to feel a bit different when they are approached by other people, when they look cleaner. And uh, it was just a great reminder that even though I may not be able to help solve their problems, I can do something to make their day and maybe their week a bit better. So Absolutely. I think that that's such a great thing. And thank you for, for doing that, Anthony, and, um, and for acknowledging that we – who are fortunate enough to have, you know, a roof over our head or, you know, food to put in our mouths today as we sit around Thanksgiving dinner tables, um, that this is something that not everybody is fortunate enough to have right now. And it seems criminal to me in a country as um, well off as ours that everybody uh, does not have that that safety, that, that net there for them 
uh, on especially on a day like today and this can be a really difficult time uh, Richie for people in our community uh, as well because there's a lot of people whose families have pushed them out do not accept them um, are not embracing them and you know and for them it's kind of a day of further mental terrorization i think to go through holidays like thanksgiving or christmas or certain major holidays like that each year and and i think that when we can uh do something to pay it forward and to help out people who are less fortunate than ourselves uh, we should do that and that it is as rewarding as anthony is talking about just in terms of giving somebody their dignity with the with a haircut yeah, no, it's a really. I mean, that's that's really a good point. And in, going into this season, you know, I think, um, you know, whatever form that may take, you know, it. I know that, for instance, uh, in a lot of places, especially in the Northeast, there are things like jacket donations, um, where you can donate new or lightly used jackets because it's cold here, and yeah. there are people who need jackets, and jackets are expensive. And so, yeah, I think that. Um, you know, it is it is worth kind of thinking about. You know, as we're as we're coming up with our list of, you know, uh, filling out our Amazon wish lists and thinking about what to get, you know, our friends and family to set aside, you know, as much as we can to think about things like um, food pantries, to think about things like uh, clothing donations, uh, any kind of direct help for folks in need. Because, yeah, this season, you know, like you mentioned too, uh, I think. I, I always love Thanksgiving. I think it's it's my favorite holiday. I love that it's about sort of togetherness, you know, with whoever it may be, Friendsgiving or family, whatever it may be. But, um, you know, for some people, it, it can bring up raw feelings because yeah. they might not have that, that support. And same thing with Christmas or, you know, whatever holiday you sort of, you know, your family may be uh, celebrated. And so I think it is like... You know, it is worth kind of being sensitive to people and not assuming that this is the best time of year for them. For many people, it's actually kind of the worst. And so you can't always just assume, you know, hey, happy holidays. Because for some people, they're like thinking like, yeah, I actually hate this. Like yeah. this is kind of really bringing up raw stuff or missing people. You know, it, you know, Christmas time, it may be that that's when they think about the, the fact that their parents aren't around anymore or they're missing a sister or, you know, a, whomever. Um, yeah, and, for some people, you know, there's a real legitimate basis for bah humbug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Anthony, thank you for your call, and happy holiday. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. And if you'd like to join us as well, and you're part of our limited audience this evening as we do our pre-record of the show, 760 677 0111. That's 760-677-0111. Thank you for for the call. And uh, I wish that we could do more for those who are in a position of disadvantage. I had a situation actually happen this past week, Richie, um, and it turns out that it was somebody who we know from our uh, being in the spaces environment that you were talking about earlier on Twitter, X, whatever you're going to call it. And this person uh, picked up and left a volatile situation at home uh, back in, uh, I guess, the Tennessee area. And 
uh, and they traveled across the country without a plan, without a lot of resources, not knowing what the scenario would be when they got to where they were headed. And one of the places that they ended up in the last week was here in my own backyard. And I think, mm. and I feel to some degree, I feel kind of responsible because we always were always kind of talking about the fact that this is a really gay friendly area. There's pockets of non-gay friendliness here too, but um, in many respects, there are a lot of services that are here and people who are here that embrace people in the LGBTQ community. And the fact that it's warmer than it is in a lot of other places this time of year, so it's a little bit safer if you do end up on the streets in that respect, it's just as dangerous in others. And um, to for people to feel so um, uh, endangered in their own environment where their family and their the people that they've known all their life are, that they would up and leave and be in a situation like that, um, I can't emphasize enough how important it is for um, people if they are in any sort of, um, you know, emotional distress uh, to try and reach out first and foremost in their own communities, to try and find resources. that They exist in many places, and there's certainly national hotlines that people can, can pick up the phone and call and, and reach out to, and I hope that they will do that because uh, I don't want to see somebody else uh, put themselves in a situation where, you know, in this case I tried to help this individual, and because of other things that were going on, it, it was not successful. But, you know, don't put people in a situation where it jeopardizes them even in an effort where they want to help you out. Um, if you're seeing some sort of trouble ahead, um, we encourage you to, uh, you know, to get some help. From GayBC.com, this is the Happy Hour with your hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mack. Your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. Yes, welcome back to the happy hour. And on this very special Thanksgiving episode. Um, and of course, you can't talk about Thanksgiving without talking about the food. Food. Food, food glorious food, yes. Um, and... Uh, um, so, you know, one of the things that, uh, and I'm sorry, if anyone hears anything in the background, my cats are howling at the door of my office trying to get in here. But, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, um, you know, it's interesting because Thanksgiving, you know, is, uh, is a tradition and every family has its own sort of things that that make up the, the the table you know um one of the things for instance is uh some families the cranberry comes out of a can and it still has the little ripples in it other families they can't that that's not what they do they make a cranberry compote you know in on the stove with you know with some port wine or some orange or whatever may i and, ask you know, which you prefer well so growing up we had the can. Actually, we had both. We my mom made both, and but my sister, my little sister, and I demanded the can for many years, and uh, it was very important that we had that ocean spray can of cranberry jelly. Um, 
but now uh, I much prefer um, I make my own cranberry thing with again with port wine, Grand Marnier, orange, star anise, clove, you know, and and uh, sugar or maple syrup, and um, and it's to me actually I think that the, of all the of all the Thanksgiving sides or dishes, I think cranberry is the most important because. So many of the other things are salty, fatty, and umami rich. And it's really the only thing on the table generally that has any acid to it. Um, and so it cuts all the richness of everything else. And so for me, the cranberry is kind of this like essential kind of bedrock of the rest of the meal. Good on you. Uh, I'll tell you, I wouldn't eat cranberry until I was well into my 20s because I was horrified looking at that blob of rippled, gelatinous <laughs> uh, stuff on my yep. grandparents' Thanksgiving tables. And so I would never, ever, ever even, I wouldn't even want to try a little taste of it. Uh, it just did not look uh, pleasing to me. But when I finally actually experienced real cranberry, I was like, oh my God, what have I been missing all my life? Yeah. And and listening to you describe how you prepare yours uh, makes me wish that I was there with you today to actually uh, have that because that sounds pretty damn yummy. It really is. You no, know, it's quote great. one of our and, friends. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so for me, that's kind of an essential thing. You know, one of the things that I, that that my family did not do growing up, but I know is very popular with other families, is mac and cheese being hmm. part of the Thanksgiving meal. This is a thing that that some families do. It's it's very common, but we never had the mac and cheese. So that's that's one that's very foreign to me. I you know I am totally fine uh, with the idea that I on my paternal side of my family, my aunt. Uh, who was actually married to the uncle who kind of got me into this business. They owned a radio station for 40-plus years. And my aunt, when I was a kid, made macaroni and cheese uh, on a fairly regular basis. And when I would be staying with them, of course, at some point, inevitably, we were going to be fed that. And she made it using... <laughs> um, you might want to turn your speakers down for a moment so you don't get sick, but she made it with Velveeta and cream of mushroom soup, and it was oh the most disgusting, horrible thing, um, and in fact made me thereby uh, be declaring myself as as having an allergy to Campbell's cream of mushroom soup for the rest of my life. Uh, it was just so gross, and when I, and so because of that. I never ate uh, mac and cheese again until I was well into my 20s and actually never even really enjoyed it until I actually moved to New York City. And a friend of mine said, have the mac and cheese at this place that was just down the street from where I lived on uh, 9th Avenue called Eatery. And they made mm -hmm. it with, you know, five gourmet cheeses and, and uh, you know, crunchy string uh, onions and things like that and it was just it was a gourmet mac and cheese for sure and I loved it but um, I could see it being served that way as a side dish instead of maybe I don't know uh, or in addition to stuffing 
But yeah, it's it was not one of my go-to things at Thanksgiving as a kid. Yeah, no, and, and for me, why I don't understand it uh, being on the table is because it is another creamy rich thing, yet another creamy rich thing that's also very filling. Because that's the thing that's also funny is that every almost every constituent element of a Thanksgiving meal is itself extremely filling yeah so mashed potatoes are are basically bulk and sweet potatoes are bulky and uh you know and the green bean casserole uh you know does have green beans but it's also a cream based sauce so it's very rich and so the idea of just like the the richness of mac and cheese with all these other rich things feels a little bit again too samey samey so i don't i don't get it um, but that's also partially because I'm not, uh, and you know, callers, please do not f- just flood the lines. I'm not a mac and cheese fan, full stop. I don't yeah. really like that dish. I got to also ask you before we have to take a break here uh, in a moment, I need to ask you are you a pumpkin pie, uh, apple pie, or maybe a pecan pie uh, person when it comes to Thanksgiving dessert? The answer is yes. <laughs> I love them all. I love pie. and But pumpkin, pumpkin is the king of pies as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Now, coming up, we're going to turn our attention on most people's star of the show on the Thanksgiving table. But from an angle you might not expect, we're going to talk to David Capocci. He's up in Granite Falls, Washington, a community out rural northeast of Seattle, and he's running a ranch there, um, and they're kind of in the turkey business. Not really full-time, but part-time. And uh, we have to save this for after the break. Stay with us. Your weather outside might be frightening, and Jack might be nipping at your... Uh, forget it, guys. I'm not reading any more of this smut. Even this microphone has its limits. Back to your hot toddies of LGBTQ stuff. It's Santa Mac and his reindeer Richie. Oh, and me? I'm Howard the Hanukkah Bush. I don't get no respect. Take it away, you silly seasonal homos. Welcome back to the happy hour. Um, hope you're doing well on this Thanksgiving, or if you're listening afterward, uh, I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. We do indeed. Hey, we have a guest joining us by phone right now from a community known as Granite Falls in Washington State. It's a little northeast of Seattle, Washington, and David Capocci is on the line with us from the Packa Pride Ranch up there. Hi, David. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, good evening. I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you with us. Um, as as you well know, and in full disclosure, David and I have known each other for many years, um, and he walked away from a, a career working with an insurance company in IT to become a rancher. Uh, and how did first of all, how did that come to be? That's right. Well, it was a confluence of factors, really. This was back in 2004. We saw the writing on the wall with that insurance company you alluded to getting ready for being sold and acquired. So all of our IT jobs were about ready to go offshore and be offsourced. 
So there was that front of change happening in terms of a career in IT at uh, that time in the early aught years, as well as noticing that uh, life in downtown Seattle was going to get a little bit rougher because Seattle was going to get ready to birth this metropolis uh, you know, in the, in the years coming forward from there. So we knew that Staying on the hill was going to get tougher to uh, live uh, and uh, go through those growing pains of a, a metropolis being sort of, uh, you know, coming to bear here. So we said, let's get ahead of that growth. Let's head for the hills, but bring the public with us. We parlayed our experience going up the Mountain Loop Highway, a national scenic byway right outside of Granite Falls in the mountains uh, of the, the Mount Baker Snoqualmie National Forest. Well, in those mountains uh, near the town of Silverton, the hamlet of Silverton, is an 80-acre gay campground that we used to go camping at and bring our yurt uh, and set it up there. And and March through October, we'd leave Capitol Hill, downtown Seattle, drive an hour and a half north and and camp. Started our love of yurt camping in the Mountain Loop Highway, and we said, you know what, let's parlay our experience doing that into a business plan and bring our version of glamping to the public uh, out here on the Mountain Loop Highway, which was uh, well underserved with uh, other camping uh, options. We decided to package that uh, campground with yurts and the ease of camping on a farm to uh, reconnect the uh, public to that farm narrative and show people sort of a farm in action here. We are actually a demonstration farm to the public on uh, permaculture principles and some natural farming techniques. We show uh, we're using and raising these livestock, alpacas and chickens, to build uh, abu- uh, build the ecology out here, bring abundance and robustness to that mountain meadow uh, ecology. And let me say, uh, as somebody who also follows David on social media, that he is something of a social media sensation, and the videos uh, with you and all of your uh, livestock, but especially your uh, very fun and and uh, extraordinary personality uh, of your alpacas. Uh, it's it's really a, a lot of fun to watch all throughout the year and to see what's going on out there. Um, and we will share uh, how to get to all of that through social media with you here in a few moments. The website for uh, for the Packer Pride Ranch is www.pacapride.com, and you can go check that out as well. But um, your livestock is not limited to chickens and alpacas. Turkeys are part of the game. Yeah, that's right. The demonstration part of that farm also includes us raising a seasonal run of poultry that are known as meat chickens and turkeys for Thanksgiving. Now, I have to tell you, Richie and I were looking momentarily, uh, just before you joined us, at a post that you made on social media a couple of hours ago. And um, one of your pets, I mean uh, victims, I mean uh, uh, birds, uh, was... <laughs> yes, uh, was quite plucked and enormous. You had a 45-pound turkey in your kitchen. What on earth? What do you feed that thing? Right, and you know, here's the rub on that feed program. We are raising the same 
factory farm chickens and turkeys. So literally with the, the rock Cornish cross meat chickens. And uh, depending on the, the turkeys, they're usually called broad-breasted whites or broad-breasted bronze based on the colors of their feathers. And they're, they're all just these selectively bred birds that are known to grow super fast in a very short period of time. And usually when people raise them, they're raising them on store-bought foodstuffs, you know, those Purina rations and things yeah. like that. We don't do that here. We actually are, uh, the first and foremost, the meat, chickens, and turkeys we raise, are the meat is a bonus. The real purpose there here is to help us with pasture renovation and bug control by living that seasonal life throughout uh, a mobile chicken coop called a chicken tractor or a turkey tractor that acts just like a real tractor in the field using those chicken feet and turkey feet to renovate the fields and uh, control bugs. And by the end of the season, after that job is done, hey, bonus meat is ready for freezer camp. And so, indeed, that one year... We had the largest turkey. That was the one I posted there. The largest turkey I'd ever grown. Dress out weight was 45 pounds. It was a big tom that year. And what we feed them is something uh, incredible. We do everything very naturally. We buy only the raw materials we need uh, at the farm. And that includes the grain most people use in that feed product. Uh, We buy barley. But what we do with it, instead of crushed, cracked, or whole, which is you know, in a feedstuff, that's what they do. Um, but it's still only 20% digestible at that rate. But we sprout it. We have a special grow room where we sprout microgreens. And we feed a four-day sprouted barley to our chickens, meat chickens and turkeys out there in the field, along with all the scratch grain barley that they can get. But primarily and, and first and foremost, their main diet is great forage on a very diverse mountain meadow. And we get these little turkeys here in March when they're babies from the hatchery, and they're raised for about seven months, and then we go farm to table before that, uh, the week before Thanksgiving. I have to admit, uh, David, that this morning I woke up, and the first post I saw on my Facebook feed was one from a few days ago, I think about four days ago, on on your Facebook page. wall that had to do with the turkeys and the fact that it was getting to be that time where you went through the ritual of of taking them from the farm to the table and i saw the comment of one of your followers who talked about um, sacrificing his own turkey and cleaning it with the guidance of you and that it was quote done respectfully and I don't mean to laugh in your face or anything like that, but I had to laugh so hard this morning reading about the end of a turkey's life being done respectfully that that drove me to pick up the phone or to get online and to write to you and say, would you please come on and talk with us about this? Because, you know, I mean, is there really a, I guess, a a kind way to kill the bird? You know, there is no sort of kind way to deal out death to any animal. Right. Uh, over the many years of running a ranch like this, uh, like ours, we've come to realize th- this fact. You never take an animal's life for food without doing so in a space of reverence and ritual. 
And that truly is part of the Thanksgiving that really kind of closes that chasm between consumer and the food you eat is, you know, you have to go out there and you're claiming that life. And we don't take it lightly. We don't make any, uh, a light joke about it. We, uh, you know, we have this animal that I've raised from a baby chick and see and cared for its entire life. Um, it's very much akin to those 4-H programs where the kids are raising their pigs and the, they go to the 4-H and then they go to market, you know. And so you have that reality check of this animal that you've put so much care and vested so much within with the full knowledge at the very end that this is going to be food on your table and where that food comes from and what it takes. It automatically, through that entire experience, puts you in that space to say, you know, we don't take this lightly. Uh, You become very deeply aware of what it takes to bring such a thing from farm to table. And it it doesn't become just a pat phrase, farm to table. You know, it becomes the reality check of, where your food comes from and how it gets there and uh, what it's fed and how it's treated and all throughout its course of a life uh, is the humanity part of it. You know, um, you, you never learn more humanity than when you tend to an animal, whether you're using it as livestock or as a pet. Uh, it really uh, kind of, uh, you know, brings that home for you. Yeah, I bet. So, so indeed, very important to approach it from a space of reverence. It's a quite simple process. You put it in a restraining cone, you pull its head down through the, the, the opening, and we do two quick slits uh, on the throat to drain out the blood. It shakes a little bit. It's over in 30 seconds, really. It's a, it's a quick dispatch, uh, and uh, that, that, it, that's, that's the end of it there. Well, and I think, you know, I think that it brings – I think it's important to know that, and especially because, like, I'm pretty – like – like I'm, I'm, I'm increasingly interested in sourcing ingredients and where things come from to know the farm, to know the, the sort of practices. And it's like, I think there's, there's something called the vegetableization of meat, which is to say when you just buy it in the supermarket in a little styrofoam clamshell, you forget that it was ever a living creature. And it's a commodity. I think, yeah. And, and it, it commodifies a, the, a thing that is, like you said, that it, it is, a you know, it's a life and death, life cycle kind of situation. And when you're aware of that, I think you actually treat meat better. You're willing to pay more for it. And you want and you become very focused on 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 finding the meat that actually meets your criteria. And if it doesn't meet your criteria, like for me, I would rather have a vegetarian meal than eat meat that doesn't satisfy my sort of criteria for being properly raised and treated. And that awareness of the consumer is thankfully becoming more and more prevalent uh, out there. There are more people aware that locovore movement, that sustainable concept, uh, really uh, striving for self-responsibility out there. And here I'll give you another factoid. We raise, for example, a lot of people come to me and say, well, why don't you do the heirloom varieties of these birds? You've got a homestead. I'm like, no, I'm trying to close the chasm of understanding between what a consumer actually buys in the store and what that looks like 
grown alive, but in a much more natural and much more regenerative agriculture kind of approach that gives to the land, that's more land-centric, yet you still get these yields and these, these bounty from that process as well. So we raise, for example, instead of like the nice heirloom meat chicken, we raise the mutant selective rock Cornish cross chicken. And I throw all these little factoids that this is your Costco rotisserie bird. And then I let them know, do you know how old that bird is? When it goes to Costco, it's 14 to 15 weeks old in process. And they're like, well, why don't you let these meat birds just live a lateral life? I say, because their life ends at around seven months, because that's how quick they grow. And their their whole lifespan is very short uh, in that time frame. And we just show how you can kind of grow them, though, in a different way. Uh, that's very uh, much uh, plays to those genetics, and you get a very mm-hmm. bountiful harvest at the very end. But it reconnects people to that chasm of understanding of, of where that meat comes from and how it got there and why is it that the one chicken in our marketplace right now are just rock Cornish cross chickens, you know? Yeah, and David, I want to, because we only have a, a couple of minutes left here, I just want to come back to pack a pride guest ranch and uh give you a moment to share with people um you know what when's the best season to come to the uh foothills of the cascades and to um you know to spend some time if they want to get to nature and uh spend some time in a in a working farm like you have yeah, well, you know what? We're the only campground out here that's open year-round to the public. Uh, but uh, the prime season to come out to the Cascades of Northwest are spring, summer, and fall. You know, all the way into even like this past November has been wonderful because we, I call it the monsoon season, but it's also the waterfall season. And you can kind of come out here and see all the waterfalls of the fall. But really gorgeous times of the year when spring is in bloom, when the summer heat is upon us, uh, the mountain meadows are fantastic and fall is pretty spectacular for it known for its sunrises and uh, sunsets and uh, beautiful skies as well and you guys have uh, some goodies there too from the uh, from the alpacas uh, I was reading that you can uh, get some alpaca related items like scarves and socks and other fashion items uh, there at your place right. as well yeah we're known for our hiker socks out here I like to tease once you go alpaca you never go back up <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, again, the website is Packa Pride Guest Ranch or PackaPride.com, either one. Uh, and if folks want to find you and your videos online, where, where do they best go? Yeah, you can find our uh, Facebook page for Packa Pride, and we're also on TikTok. I'm at Dapaka Buddy, D A P A C A Buddy, B U D D Y, on TikTok. And we've got a few uh, TikTok famous videos out there as well. We've got a bunch of stuff on YouTube, and there's all links from this uh, uh, from our website as well. Great. Well, thank you again for joining us, David. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. David Kabochi joining us from the Pack of Pride Guest Ranch uh, up in Washington State. And have a very happy Thanksgiving. We appreciate you being along with us. Well, Richie... We overrode the break, so I'm just not going to take it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I we were having okay. too much fun with with David, and honestly, um, it was kind of a tongue in cheek thing when I first thought about having them on. But you know, it is I think important to um, to keep in mind the things that they do uh, in terms of the 
you know, I mean, a lot of people are in that same situation you are, that if, if they don't know uh, how the animals were treated, how they were sourced to uh, market, uh, they don't want to eat that. And, and I can understand that. I mean, certainly, I think there's a lot of us who are uh, animal friendly and who uh, care very much about uh, other living beings being treated right. Uh, and, you know, don't want to just take and eat what's in that plastic shell that you talk about in the or styrofoam shell in the meat department uh, just for the sake of eating it when there are other options. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the, it brings up a lot of different issues. I mean, one of the things is um, when you look at food traditions that treat animals um, more graciously, uh, there's let you eat less meat and you eat more of the animal. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if you think about things like, you know, um, just like to look at like Italy, for instance, with pork, you know, you eat the jowls, you know, guanciale is the, is the jowls of the pork. You know, you eat the belly, you eat the, you know, you eat the, the, the offal, you know, and you really, you don't, what you don't do is take the prime cuts off of the animal and throw the rest away. And I think one of the things is, you know, if you're thinking about trying to eat mindfully about about um, animals, is to try to lean in a little bit to some of the other meats, organ meats, which can be very delicious, actually, when prepared properly. Um, some of the cuts that required cooking in, you know, maybe longer cooking periods. Um, and just generally kind of like trying to use the whole animal. That's one thing. Um, and then again, uh, depending on where you live, thankfully I live in the Hudson Valley. And so we have a lot of access to actual farms where animals are, are, are raised. And so like I can go out to old Ford farm and buy chicken and pork that's actually raised there. Um, and so to the extent you can, for instance, uh, in wherever your locality is buy meat at the farmer's market, it's going to be more expensive mm -hmm. for sure. But you can you can look the the farmer in the eye and ask them about how it was raised. You know, find out was it pastured. You know, was the beef grass fed or corn fed? Not that one is necessarily better than the other, but you can find out how it was fed. And there there's just there's kind of a a virtuous cycle when you pay attention to where your food comes from. And um, you know, I would say uh, just from the a, you know, just as also kind of a gourmand, <laughs> the, it tastes better a lot of times. Um, well, one other thing I wanted to get to before we jump out of here in this hour, and thank you again for being along with us on your holiday uh, this week. We appreciate that, and we'll continue with another live program uh, next Thursday right here on gbchappyhour.com. But before we go away this hour and take a little break, um, and speaking of turkeys being sent to slaughter, the walls seem to be closing in back in Washington, D.C. on America's second biggest liar, George Santos. And uh, I'm kind of wondering if he's finally going to be sent home from the other Washington to Long Island, New York, uh, as the turkey that he is. They're, yeah. they're going to find 
finally deal with him in Congress. They have to now. They have to. It. It's really it, what's been dispiriting is that it's so it's been so clear for so long that he is an abject liar and a fraud and and a, a charlatan and a grifter. This has been this is not news. But what it took was finally the ethics committee put out a report that was extremely damning and you know detailed things like um you know using money that was raised for campaigns for botox hermes and only fan subscriptions <laughs> literally i mean like how many uh, of our friends from only fans do you think he subscribed to that's a good question yeah i mean I'd, I'd like to see a public records request done on this so we can tease some of our favorites yes <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it, it's just it, you know he it it just what what I'm really struck by is that finally there is some movement um, on the Republican side to deal with George Santos. But the fact is, everyone everyone knew that he was a complete talented Mr. Ripley level fraud. Yeah. And, well, and and the thing and I they, hate they, the would, most they were is, unwilling to do anything about it at all. They they literally were just ostriching and sort of you know letting the clock run out on him and hoping that what would happen was he could just fill out you know uh, serve out his term and then you know hopefully be shamed into not running for reelection. But none none of the Republicans, none of them were calling for him to you know, be punished in any way. Because their margin was so narrow on everything for any vote. And the thing that bothers me the most about it, of course, is the fact that he's represented himself as being one of us, you know, a member of the LGBTQ community. And I just, it's it's the stench that comes off of that that bothers me as much as anything because he's another one of those ones that we do not want to own in our tribe. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a big, I mean, a big issue is just, I mean, the the fact that it's just like the fact that he's gay is just like the worst, yeah. like, like, a gay Republican is already just kind of like, wow. Yeah. And a gay Republican from Long Island, and then a gay Republican who, I mean, the the stories, the the the, the social media that came out of this person, is have just been so wild. Like this, when he was holding a random newborn baby in like you know in the in the halls of Congress, and then got into like a pissing match with some me member of the media, and then handed the baby away and started rushing away screaming. Like it's just like he was like a he's like Bravo TV, you know, <laughs> got a seat in Congress. Right. Oh God, don't give them any ideas because I could see that <laughs> moron Andy Cohen offering this guy his own show. Um, uh, yeah, Representative Michael Guest, uh, the Republican member of Congress from Mississippi who chairs the House Ethics Committee, was the one who introduced a resolution last Friday to expel uh, Representative Santos. Um, that was just a day after the committee had released its damning report uh, on him that, you know, spoke of his alleged sexual, did I say sexual? I'm sorry, I meant financial but it's all the same, all the same with a guy like this misdeeds. So, anyway, uh, 
I hope that the people of Long Island learned an important lesson, uh, which <laughs> is not to elect a Republican, of course. But uh, I don't know. It, just what a what a freaking mess. I, I it's yeah. You can't wish a better a better person on that party, but you have to wish against somebody like that serving in Congress uh, in a role that actually impacts the entire country. So well, that's that that's that's where this all. I mean, it's it's all funny, except it's tragic because this is these are people who got elected. They got elected, you know, like a Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Lauren Boebert, a George Santos. Just these these foul creatures, these these absolute just charlatan monsters. Um, actually got elected partially because of gerrymandering, but also just because of maybe people not taking government seriously. I don't know, yeah. but it's just the the idea that, that these, these kind of laughable and, and pathetic people um, are serving in our Congress and are actually in a position of power is very dispiriting. Well, and here are the words from Mr. Santos himself. Um, my year from hell, he wrote this on Twitter or X, um, <laughs> My year from hell, running for office was never a dream or goal, but when the opportunity to do so came, I felt the time to serve my country was now. Looking back today, I know one thing. Politics is indeed dirty, dirty from the very bottom up. Consultants, operatives, the opposition, the party, and more. The one thing I never knew was that the process in Congress was dirty. I will continue to fight for what I believe in, and I will never back down. What the quote-unquote ethics committee did today, this is last week, was not part of the due pro- was not part of due process. What they did was poison it, uh, the jury pool on my ongoing investigation with the DOJ. This was a dirty, biased act and one that tramples all over my rights. Press conference November 30th at 8 a.m. on the Capitol steps. I encourage all members of the press to attend. Happy Thanksgiving. oh my god i mean was that written by chat gpt i mean that was ridiculous yeah i mean it wouldn't surprise me if he if he outsourced you know his his outrage to chat gpt oh i mean i but uh yeah well good riddance to bad rubbish and we hopefully will see the last of him soon yeah let him take his final turkey trot on those steps and get the hell out of town We're going to continue with more of the GBC Happy Hour following a news update. And then we will get into some more turkey trotting with you. And we've got a lot of fun coming your way as well in the hour ahead. So stay with us. This is the GBC Happy Hour. I'm Johnny Mack with Richie Roy. And may you hang out and have a little fun with us on this holiday. Happy birthday to our buddy, Richie Roy. Lesbian, gay, trans, and even bi-coastal. From the chilly Hudson Valley of New York and California's Furnace of Palm Springs, the GBC Radio Network welcomes you to the GBC Happy Hour. 
with Richie Roy and Johnny Mac. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you're having a lovely uh, Thanksgiving or a lovely day post-Thanksgiving um, if you are listening to us as a podcast. Yeah, we're going to go right to the phone lines at 760-677-0111 and say hello to our friend James. Hi, James. Welcome to the show. Hello, Johnny Mac. How are you today? I are good. Thank you. Good. Just wanted to call in and um, wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. And I also wanted to wish a very happy birthday to uh, Richard Roy. I know it's his birthday today, so I'm wishing him a very happy birthday. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's always interesting when it falls on a Thanksgiving because um, uh, it's my favorite holiday and my favorite day of the year. So uh, it's sort of a double, doubly good day. But thank you very much. You're welcome. And I, I've also been listening very closely. I've really enjoyed uh, the interview with David from uh, Paca Pride. Uh, I'm looking to possibly go check that place out and um, buy some of his products. I was looking at the the socks on there and the scarves. It's pretty neat. That's his, right. That, you're you're that. up in his neck of the woods, and uh, you're in Tacoma, Washington. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. We're looking forward to having you back with us on our next show. Uh, you want to preview uh, who you're going to be talking with in your next focus uh, on uh, LGBTQ veterans? Yeah, I'm going to be talking with... Um, a Marine Corps veteran by the name of Thomas Vaughn. He lives there in um, the greater Palm Springs area. And I'm going to be talking to him a little bit about uh, the monument that's there in Cathedral City at the... Um, at the Desert Memorial Park, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah Which at is the, the Desert s- Memorial Park. The, the same, uh, that is the same cemetery where a lot of notables, but especially... Uh, the person who is actually the most visited celebrity gravesite in the world, uh, Frank Sinatra, is buried there. And and my friend Tom Swan, uh, who I'll be interviewing with, uh, well, I'll, I'll talk to him about uh, the idea of getting that and how he went about getting that uh, erected there in Cathedral City. So, well, that'll be great. We'll look forward to that and uh, talking with you next week, James. Sounds great. You Thank guys you. Have a wonderful day, and again to all the listeners, wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. And, and we happy wish birthday again. We wish you thank a you. great Thanksgiving as well, and thank you for your service to our country and to uh, being a part of our family here on the Happy Hour. That's James Apdale, who joined us from Tacoma, and he is our uh, on an ongoing basis our correspondent on issues around LGBTQ veterans and uh, military affairs. So nice to hear from him t- uh, tonight. Indeed. And, um, you know, speaking of Thanksgiving and uh, one of the things that is sort of a, a kind of um, cliche, but probably uh, for good reason, is political disagreements around the Thanksgiving table. And oh, one yeah. of the... One of the stories that, um, you know, that I found interesting this week was um, there was some polling that happened. And um, uh, this is on LGBTQ Nation um, that they were reporting on this. But basically, the gist of the article was that um, when you poll average Americans, they are not supportive of the MAGA extremist 
political agenda, whether it's social agenda stuff about LGBTQ folks, you know, trans issues, economic issues, their 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 thoughts on what the world should look like are not widely held by and that's not just by Democrats, that's even by, you know, centrists and even Republicans. And it got me thinking, what why does this extremely small, extremely vocal, hyper minority of people, why do they have such a stranglehold over politics and over political coverage such that our 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 general you know sort of political body politic is is forced to reckon with something that is not palatable and that we have to contend with um what what's what's the story there because you know at the end of the day um you know i know obviously gerrymandering plays a big part but um is this a media problem is this a um you know is this a political representation problem uh, why why are we forced to pretend like MAGA is is something that uh, that people want because it is not generally what people want? Yeah, it, you know it, it it amazes me that thirty percent of this nation can have the impact on you know a hundred percent of the people and have so much. Uh, detrimental effect on so many of us that we, even if we don't want to pay attention to it, we can't not pay attention to it because it has become uh, so deeply ingrained as an illness in our collective conscious. And, you know, as much as you and I would like to think, you know, oh, I don't want to hear another story about X, Y, or Z. You know, I just can't deal with it. I'm just not going to pay attention to the news or whatever. We can't do that because now the more we don't pay attention to it, the more those people succeed in getting through into the, you know, putting their seeds in the minds of people who are less likely to think critically and understand the difference between truth and fiction. And it's, it's just, it's so infuriating that so few can impact so many. It's, it's extremely frustrating. And it's, it's also just, um, you know, there's this idea of the marketplace of of this idea that, the marketplace of ideas, right? That that everyone should be able to, you know, the the bedrock of free speech is that everyone should be able to say what their thoughts are, and that the that in the marketplace of ideas, the better thoughts will win out. The problem is because of cognitive bias and because of conspiracy mindedness and stuff. That that's not actually true. The thing is, there are some some ideas that are so false and so conspiratorial and so salacious that they burrow into people's brains and make them literally zombies. I mean, we have you know when you look at something like QAnon, uh, these are not thoughts that that are useful or truthful or anything but there are uh, there are people in this country that buy the idea that truly buy the idea that you know pizzagate is real that there was a child trafficking ring run by hillary clinton that was operated out of the basement of a pizza place in dc <laughs> i mean the fact that that is something that gains enough traction to have armed people going into pizza shops in dc 
is extremely alarming. I have a problem with seeing the number of people who are on Twitter who espouse that stuff and seeing that they are like the parents of children and they have driver's licenses and are allowed to uh, ride around in um, vehicles which could kill people on the streets. You know, it's like, why are these people not kept in a mental institution where they belong? But, uh, you know, I speak that too loudly and, and they start to come after me. So I, I just, it's like you cannot win. But it is amazing to look at these percentages of the people in this country who either um, uh, somewhat oppose or are opposed to a lot of the things that uh, Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House, is so um, in favor of. And, and you just, it, it makes you shake your head. How did these... Uh, unheard ofs who are in charge in this country get that power. It it needs to end. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, I feel some days like the only way it's ever going to is if we end up with another civil war. And that would be horrible as well. Yeah. Yeah. Not that we're not in one as, as it stands. And on that front, uh, you also have uh, that nut job who runs the American Conservative Union uh, which was once fairly significant in the anti-gay, anti-LGBTQ plus movement. And, you know, they're still having some influence. And they, you know, they're involved with uh, that organization, CPAC, that puts on the annual conference. And and cool. uh, it, it just, I don't understand how these people survive in this society. Well, I mean, and and to go back to that, I mean, I think this the 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 story that that we're kind of talking about is so ACU, the American Conservative Union, they are the ones that put on CPAC, which is basically the te- like basically TED Talks for mouth breathers. Yeah. Um, and it's this like sort of yearly conference that brings together the you know the the dimmest bulbs you know in the hardware store to talk about <laughs> the future of the conservative you know world. Yeah. Um. And it's it's always you know it's always horrifying the things they say about gays the things they say about immigrants the things they say about Democrats it's just always just shockingly disgusting, but um, the ACU has been riven by a scandal because the head of the ACU Matt Schlapp is his name um, turns out he likes to slap dicks around. Um, and, uh, he has been accused of sexually harassing, uh, men by a bunch of different guys. And it's really kind of like, uh, put a black eye on the ACU, especially funny given that it has been so virulently anti-LGBTQ. Well, big surprise there. It's always those that have, uh, the loudest, you know, crap coming out of their yap that, you know are the biggest offenders in, you know, so many different ways and show who they really are and that they don't have the values that they pretend to have. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, We have another caller. Um, We have a gentleman by the name of Peyton ringing from Tucson. Hello. Welcome to the happy hour. Hi. Hi. Well, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for having us. Yes. <laughs> What's on anyway, your mind tonight? 
what's on? Oh gosh, you don't want to know what's on my mind. But anyways, um, I wanted to say hi, um, hi to you guys first of all, and say happy birthday to Richie Roy because he's a wonderful person and just amazing in every way. Um, so happy birthday! And I didn't realize until now that his birthday coincides kind of with my my anniversary of leaving my wife. I'm sorry. That's right. And first of all, thank you, th- thank you for uh, thank you for calling in uh, and wishing me a happy birthday. I appreciate that, and you're a very good friend of mine. So it's good to hear your voice and to hear that from you. But yeah, so tell us a little bit about that. So so this is an this is a pretty momentous anniversary then. Yeah, it's been a year. It's been crazy, um, a lot of fun, a lot of ups and downs, been a roller coaster. But it's been been good um i i think i'm in a better place so that's all that matters and um how is your year thinking back richie uh, ready for the next one? Oh, very much so yeah i mean it's been you know every year feels like you know uh a lot of growth um you know kind of like you said um i i think you know given uh you know for, for those of you who maybe don't know, I lost my partner in September of 2021. Uh, and I kind of, that kind of was something I had had to deal with and sort of process. And it's been a, it's been a growth process and it's, it's, you know, there's been a lot of work done in that regard. And so, yeah, each year does feel like there's a lot of work going on and a lot of positive movement. And so, yeah, it's been a good year. And I think, you know, uh, between solidifying and building deep friendships with people and figuring myself out, um, I think that, yeah, I think that from last year to this year, um, I've made really great strides um, and have kind of rediscovered things that I had sort of let lapse in terms that were things I used to enjoy that I'm now enjoying again. And yeah, I mean, you know, I think if if you look at each birthday year kind of sequentially, I think that 43 was pretty good and I'm really quite sanguine about what 44 holds. That's awesome. I, I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to you guys too. I have a lot to be thankful for and you guys, you two are well, people thank I'm you. very grateful to have. Thank, thank, you. thank you. And we feel the same way about you, Peyton. Thank you. All right. All right. Have thank a you, very happy holiday. You too. All right. That's Peyton joining us from Tucson, Arizona on the GBC Happy Hour live line. And uh, always enjoy hearing from folks at 760-677-0111 on our live broadcast nights. And we'll be taking more live calls when we're back live next Thursday. So if you've never called in, if you're afraid to call in, if you are fearful that your tongue is going to fall off or something even worse than that. If you call in, don't worry about that. It's just us. It's just friends that you're hanging out with, and we love to hear your viewpoints uh, because, actually, I think the thing I have the greatest fear of is that people are sitting out there going, will you just shut the hell up? To me, not to you. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you know... Uh, uh, I, I think everyone should feel, feel comfortable calling in. I'm actually, you know, because we're recording this ahead of time, and given how lively the the um, the 
the board is tonight, I'm like, do we need to change the night that we record this show? Because it seems <laughs> like this night is is just popping. So <laughs> maybe we should move the live show to Monday nights. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. Um, but no, yeah, anyone should feel free to call in. Um, you know, even though I'm a lawyer, I won't depose you um, <laughs> unless you unless you enjoy being deposed. <laughs> I think most of our listeners just like being declothed. Well, there's always that, yeah. yes. So we've still got a lot of stuff to come this evening on the happy hour. And hopefully uh, folks will stick around with us on this Thanksgiving special edition, 2023. And, you know, it was funny because I saw my friend, um, uh, Mr. Grun Grunberg, Greg Grunberg, uh, who we've talked about a little bit in the past, the actor, um, posted on his on his social media feed, did you realize that the last day of this year is going to be one two three one two three? Oh wow! Yeah. So all you numerologists are going to go crazy with you know these things. So I'd love to hear from from a bona fide numerologist who can explain any of this uh, wackiness to me. I uh, would like that too. I, I've never really understood the whole numerology thing, but. Uh, you know, if, if you're excited about 123123 to end 2023 with, well, let us know. We'll schedule uh, schedule you on an upcoming show. I can't even talk tonight, Richie. <laughs> I'm so sorry. My tongue is not engaging correctly. When we continue with more, we have some more good news and a little tale of schadenfreude for you. Stay with us. The Gay BC Happy Hour continues with or without pumpkin spice. Your taste, your show, and your humble hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mack. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Happy Hour, this very special turkey edition. It actually reminds me, um, I used to love the show The McLaughlin, M the McLaughlin Group. Um, with John uh, McLaughlin? With John McLaughlin, yeah. Oh, my God. And every year he used to have a special Thanksgiving episode that was hosted by um, this uh, someone from MetLife, which was the, the sponsor of that show. And it was always a very weird, bland episode. Um, uh, but the other thing that I loved is that um, John McLaughlin on – at the end of the Thanksgiving episode, because, you know, he would always sign off the show. He'd go, bye bye. But for the Thanksgiving episode, he'd always go gobble gobble. And I loved that about that episode. It, that, that was like my favorite thing about Thanksgiving was the uh, sign off for the McLaughlin group. So um, I feel like at the end of this episode, we'll have to uh, do a gobble gobble. <laughs> Well, uh, one of the things that uh, we uh, decided we were going to focus on tonight was going to be some of the good news. And one piece of good news comes uh, from a story we just told you about in the last couple of weeks, which had to do with a young transgender male who was in his school play, or going to be in the school play, he was cast in the play Oklahoma. And then... The school board decided, no, nope, students have to play the uh, parts of gender roles that they had at birth been assigned. 
And well, it was actually it was actually a a superintendent who made a unilateral decision to make a new policy that you had to pl- in school plays you had to play uh, roles from your birth sex, and obviously just like the most um, like obvious just direct bigotry based on the fact that max hightower uh a trans man uh got the part got a part as a male lead in oklahoma thankfully the school board uh unanimously reversed this decision and uh basically kind of uh made it pretty clear too that because not only did did they make this decision that Max Hightower couldn't be in Oklahoma, but uh, they also then pushed off Oklahoma indefinitely because it had quote adult themes and all of this. And basically, the school board was like, "No, actually, Oklahoma's fine, and this this policy is bullshit." So Oklahoma is back on, and I'm really happy. And I think that you know I'm sure that. That a lot of the public, you know, opprobrium was part, you know, was was instrumental in getting this decision reversed. And I'm really happy that people got wind of this, got angry, and mobilized, and you know, created an environment where this kind of bigotry and sort of stupidity loses. Yeah, for sure, and. That wasn't the only news we had that was trans-related that is good news in a odd way. But there was also a story that comes to us um, about gays against groomers. Are you familiar with this group? I, I wasn't even aware of them until I saw this story, Richie. Um, but they raged at chat GPT for refusing to create anti-trans content. Yeah, so gays against groomers, I had kind of they were ki- they're kind of on my radar. It's bullshit. It's one of these, you know, astroturfy, you know, kind of just troll type of things. I mean, I I imagine probably everyone involved in gays against groomers are not gay. They mm-hmm. just, you know, call themselves gays against groomers. You know, because it it sounds salacious. It makes it seem like the LGBTQ movement is fractured. So it's baloney. You know, gays against groomers is is just a baloney troll. LGBTQNation.com reports that the group seized on X after asking the AI chatbot to write a tweet condemning gender affirming care for minors. Uh, according to a screenshot posted by the group, the bot replied. I'm sorry, but I cannot create content that promotes harm or goes against ethical principles, including discouraging gender-affirming care for minors. And it continued, Gender-affirming care is a medical approach that has been shown to improve the well-being of transgender and gender-diverse individuals. If you have other non-controversial questions, feel free to ask. Well, I love that. I love them off. that is. I love that. That last sentence is super shady. It's just like it is so like bitch. Please, I love that. Yeah, me too. I love that ChatGPT was a little salty there, and um, you know, here's what they said though in their tweet: the gays against groomers freaks. 
um, they said, wow, we tested GPT and asked it to write a tweet condemning gender-affirming care for minors. It refused, saying the prompt, quote, promotes harm, unquote, but had no problem writing one in support of it. Look at the difference. Shameful. And they posted the photo um, from, you know, a screen capture from it. Well, no, it's not shameful. It's not it's shameful, not shameful at, all. at all. And, it, and, and, and you know, Gays Against Groomers, I think, is, is, an, is a fake, a fake, you know, troll account. But that said, that isn't – there are folks, you know – who you know the person who really comes to mind first of all is Andrew Sullivan who is in that camp who refers to gender affirming care especially for for youth as like radical extreme medical experimentation mm-hmm. that kind of language it's not it is fundamentally not um and all of these bugaboos these ideas of you know uh that of things that are being done to minors or for minors generally aren't actually happening, first of all. And so, um, yeah, anyway, this is all just kind of a, a, a ridiculous, you know, shadow boxing straw man kind of thing. So gays against groomers, you know, go to hell. <laughs> Indeed. Here, here. It's another edition of the GBC Happy Hour Seal of Approval coming up. You're either good with us or you are toast. Products and services that deserve your love or to be loathed. On this holiday edition of the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy, I'm Johnny Mack. Stay with us. The Gay BC Radio Network presents the weekly public service, the Gay BC Happy Hour Seal of Approval. Does it fly or does it die? Products, services, and customer service that will turn you on or turn you off. Does the cup runneth over or has the well gone dry? Richie and Johnny, take it away. Welcome back, everyone. And yes, the GBC Happy Hour Seal of Approval, and it's a good week for it. I feel like we've got some, we've got some. I know I have some uh, seal of approvals. Not sure if Johnny Mac has demerits or approvals lined up, but um, we will get into it. So this has been a really uh, interesting week for music, and that's where I'm going to go with my seal of approval. Is I have two different things I'm approving. Two albums that came out this week. The first is Andre 3000, who is uh, from the band band Outkast. Uh, You may know uh, he is a uh, a rapper um, and, uh, you know, the song Hey Ya obviously was one of Outkast's biggest songs. He took a bit of a, a swerve and came out this week with an album that is an hour and 30 minutes of flutes and ambient synthesizers. And it is, I listened to the album. I, I Full disclosure, I was galactically stoned when I listened to it. And what does uh, that mean? I, so I was, I took some edibles and I was laying on my bed, which felt like a raft on the ocean. 
And I turned on this album and just vibed on it for an hour and a half. And um, it's a really great album. It's it's very it's very soothing. It's very calm. Uh, it's very beautiful. It reminds me sort of of Brian Eno, um, and you know his ambient albums, and is such a departure from anything he had done. He's done before, and. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's just great kind of background music. It's great sort of relaxation music um, and just so unexpected from Andre 3000. So I love – so that's that's the first little piece of approval. The second album that, that gets a seal of approval is Dolly Parton came out with a, a new album this week, which is her doing covers of rock music. Um, really? Yeah. Well, she's it's, certainly written enough music in that genre for other people. Yeah, but it's it's and she has a lot of you know it, there are a lot of like duets and sort of like you know uh, stuff on the album. the The song specifically that I will um, call out as being especially wonderful from the album is she does a cover of "Purple Rain" by Prince, and uh, it's amazing. Her voice is still completely incredible. Um, you know, she has all of the charisma. Her versions of the songs are interesting. It's pared down. It's sort of spare. And it's a really great album. Um, you know, I, I'm a big Dolly fan. I, you know, not, you know, full disclosure. I love Dolly Parton. But, um, you know, I will say several of her more recent albums have been a little bit, I would say, on the treacly side a little bit schmaltzy and a little bit hokey, uh, which is okay. You know, it's fine. But this album uh, is really, really fun. And the production is is quite good. Um, and, you know, is, is not as sort of smooth and kind of uh, hokey as some of her more recent albums. It's, it's to, I would definitely check it out. If you like you know, sort of rock, you know, rock music standards. Uh, and if you like Dolly Parton at all, and if you like her voice, um, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice marriage. Nice. I like her. I'll have to check that out. Oh, you have to, you yeah. have to listen to it. So, um, mine is something I was not going to, uh, talk about until it came up today, actually. Uh, Actually, yesterday, my significant other was looking for uh, an AI, uh, you know, chat bot that he could use to help him fine-tune a cover letter to somebody. And so he was asking me what I use, and I just said, I just use, you know, chat AI. And, um, and he was like, well, which app? And I'm like, no, I don't use an app. I just go to the to the website and use the or chat GPT um, 3.5 which is not the newest but you know it's the one that's the freebie one that they had on the website and he's like well there's all these different apps that are on the Apple website or the Apple app site app store and I was like, well, I've not bought one from there, so I don't have one in particular I know. So I went through and did a little uh, perusing of the reviews yesterday. 
And I thought, you know, I should download one of these and try it out. All of them have like a three-day free trial period that you can try them out. And so after reading the reviews, um, I selected one called Chatbot, Ask AI Chatbot. And it, uh, it was one of, I don't know, probably about a half dozen that were at the top of the heap. So I, I downloaded that one because it seemed to have the best reviews. And it had a three-day test period on it, which was fine. And I had a whole bunch of different um, things, marketing things that I had been working on. And so I thought, I'll put some of these um, messaging statements through it and ask it to do a rewrite on them. And just see, you know, and, and to do some that are for like a web post, some that are for social, one that was like a cover letter and so on. And I thought, you know, I'll just see how it works. Well, I had something that was really important that I was working on on that, on that front today for another client, and I put it into the system, and six times in a row, and it was just a paragraph, six times in a row, it crashed. It just shut down. And I'd reopen it and try it again, thinking, well, you know, maybe there was too much, and so I'd take a little bit of, a little bit of it out. No, d- kept doing the same thing. So um, mine is actually a demerit today, and I would tell you that before you spend uh, the money that they want for a membership, if you're looking to use an app that is part of the chat GPT uh, architecture on an Apple computer uh, on a Mac, don't use chatbot, ask AI chat bot, (laughs) um, because you're probably going to run into that. And I'm glad that I did because the first several things I put through it worked just fine. But then when I tried to put that one thing through it a handful of times, it crashed every time. And I'd hate to think that, oh, I liked the result of the first couple of things I got, but then I got to something that was a little more complex. And this is what I could stand to, you know, this is what I was going to get time and time and time again after I pay for it. So, um, no bueno on on that one. And at the same time, I want to put it out there to our audience because I know that there are a lot of people who spend a lot more time messing around with these newer technologies than I do, um, that if you have uh, a chat GPT app that you uh, use, and honestly, I'd be most interested if you have experience with it on the Mac platform, but either platform, Um, If you want to uh, share that with us, you can write to me at john at gbchappyhour.com. Send me an email, and we will uh, check it out, and uh, and we may uh, have an opportunity to share uh, a positive experience with ones that work well. And, you know, and the fact that you uh, were kind enough to to make the recommendation to us. So uh, feel free to make your recommendations to john at gbchappyhour.com, and I appreciate that. I will uh, thank you in advance for that on this Thanksgiving Day broadcast. Yeah. I mean, here's one thing I won't give thanks for. I, as someone who who really does, I love uh, the written word and the written language, I'm going to give a demerit to chat GPT full stop because – we I've seen so many instances of it where what the, the language that comes out of it sounds like Chinese communist Pravda newspaper <laughs> garbage. And like I like, you know, um, we were talking with a friend the other day who is 
who is work trying to tweak a bio and the um you know he put in all of his you know background information and the resulting copy was so i mean it just it sounded like something you know straight out of beijing you know just like the formidable like an imposing so and so like has a long like long storied and like like majestic tradition of and it's just like please this is not how humans talk this is garbage like and you know somebody maybe somebody ought to create one richie that is uh something like adjective light i don't know i mean and i know that people who use it you can tweak it and you can tell it write this in a less you know in in a more professional manner write this in in a less in a more neutral tone you can tweak it but like i'm sorry like I prefer stuff written by humans. You know, I just, at the end of the day, I know I know it's a time saver, and I know, especially in certain industries like PR and things, that like it's going to basically, you know, sort of refo- reform a lot of a, a lot of work. Yeah. But well, I for just, me, as the thing who- I like the most about it, honestly, is mm-hmm. the fact that for all the people who have absolutely zero writing skill. Um, it will help some people improve dramatically what they use to articulate a point. And and I agree with you that there is a lot of hyperbole that comes out of the gobbledygook that you get from chat GPT. The first one I used actually was jasper.ai because a friend of mine uh, who produces content over in Europe uh, was the one who kind of turned me on to that. It's very expensive. But um, I did get an opportunity to play around with it a little bit and ask it based on certain information that I fed into it that was all fictional to create some stories. And it did a really fine job of doing that. So I was I was kind of enthralled with the concept of what it could do. Um, but I agree with you that most of what it kicks out, you have to have your editor hat on really to make it right for you know, whatever you're going to ultimately use it for, but it can give you a nice jump start and make you think about things that you may not have thought about using um, if you're not uh, a brilliant writer, don't have um, writing blocks all the time. And unfortunately, uh, because of some of the memory issues I deal with now, um, I find myself running into writer's blocks a lot more often than I used to. And from that standpoint, it does make things more convenient. But yes, there's a lot of crap that comes out of the feedback. Yeah. And and, I mean, like, you know, especially when I'm thinking about kind of younger people like, you know, uh, students. Yeah, I think what they would be better served rather than learning how to operate chat GPT is to diagram sentences, because that's how I learned how to write properly in seventh and eighth grade. Mrs. Cerati, who is my English teacher, made us diagram sentences. And it, you know, it's a very artificial thing that you do, you know, where you diagram, you know, you put the. You know, you put the subject in a line, and then the the object, and then you you draw, and you 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 know you draw these lines that that sort of descend down and they branch, and but it you it, it it's a way to learn how to actually structure language properly, yeah. and I think that learning language at that granular level is more important than learning how to game Chat GPT to <laughs> shit out a bunch of garbage. So it's- like. I'm not I'm not bullish on AI as someone who actually likes the written word. Like, yes, is it generating copies? Sure. Should it be? No. 
shut it down. I don't like it. I'm yeah. sorry. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm, I, I guess I'm an old man in that way because I don't like it. I'd rather people say less. Actually, if you, if you need, like, maybe we just, maybe people need to be writing less stuff. If, <laughs> like, like, I just, I don't know. I just, it, I mean, it just drives me crazy. It, you know, what drives me crazy is the fact that a lot of people today don't even know how to write. And by that, I mean, write as opposed to um, print. Uh, you know, because we have a lot of people who can't even write in cursive any, anymore. And how that went away from being taught in school, uh, you know, is beyond me other than the fact that, you know, laziness and keyboards got in the way. And now keyboards aren't even right because you can't, you know, I mean, I learned to type ASDFJKL semicolon. It was the first thing I learned to type on a typewriter, you know, and and today it's whatever you can type you got to type with your thumb so oh, it's a whole well, don't other get word, me started on world. that either because <laughs> i i i love language and i actually i love misspelling words on purpose for comedic for, for comedic reasons i have any kind of autocorrect turned off because it's gonna it's not gonna understand the words i'm using it's not gonna allow me to have fun with language i don't like any of these props i actually just like to have fun with words and so, yeah, I, like demerit to me, demerit on all of that. <laughs> WYD. Well, actually, next, he's going to be donning his bartender best in our Mixology 101 segment. He'll be in the classroom teaching you all about some festive drinks this time of year. It's especially important. Richie Roy is right back with the GBC Happy Hour mixology 101 segment coming up next on this thanksgiving and happy birthday to richie homo mixologist richie roy and his ice cube handler johnny mack present the latest lessons from the gay bc happy hour school of mixology as they say at Gay BC, bottoms up. Indeed, bottoms up. Um, there's a double entendre there that I'm just going to leave on the table. But um, yes, so this week, uh, you know, I'm thinking about Thanksgiving. I'm thinking about the fact that it's gotten kind of chilly as hell here. Like, we had a, some unseasonably warm days, and then today was bitterly cold and i realized that we are indeed in this time of year so well, it gets you in the holiday mood it yes it's a little hard to mood. do that here and when it was like 75 today oh well then my the drink i'm going to suggest is not maybe uh on point for palm springs but what i'm what i'm going for for the alcoholic drink of the week is mold wine oh my god i, I hope that it's not made with like green mold or black mold or no, <laughs> M U L L E D. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes, um, yeah, a mold wine. I, I love mold wine. I think it's delicious. I think it's a really fun holiday drink. And what it is is essentially you take a bottle of red wine, uh, preferably something a little on the drier side. You put in some brandy or some Grand Marnier, an orange, uh, you know, cut into slices. Cloves, cinnamon, star anise, some maple syrup, and you cook it 
on the stove. Uh, you simmer it, you know, uh, for a while. This you is know, starting to you know. sound like your recipe for uh, for cranberries. It's actually not that different. It yeah. really isn't. But yeah, so it's just wine and and a, and you know a, and a spirit like a brandy or a Grand Marnier and some aromatics. You cook it for you know twenty minutes to three hours as long as you want to kind of you know kind of keep it going. And what you end up with is a warm, delicious, spicy, you know, uh, sort of a you know autumnal or wintry beverage um and it's a great you know it, it, it's a very kind of classic uh holiday season type of beverage so that's my alcoholic drink uh recommendation and then for the non-alcoholic you can actually do something very similar with a cider so you can do it with apple cider and make a a mold apple cider and then what even better uh, I was at the farmer's market this weekend and I went to a farm stand and they had um, apple cider, but they actually also had pear cider, mm. which is just, you know, pear juice, I guess. And so I bought a thing of pear cider and it is super delicious. It tastes like pears. It's really, you know, really sweet and and interesting and a little more complex than maybe an apple cider, which can sometimes be cloying. Uh, and so if you have the, if you find pear cider, you could do a mold cider. You can also do it with apple and it's the same thing. You take some star anise, some cinnamon stick, some orange, you know, peel, maybe some orange slices and simmer them for a while. And you end up with a delicious, you know, warm, you know, filling, interesting drink. So... That's kind of where my mind is at this week. Was okay. was a little bit warm, so that's yeah. that's the mixology uh, corner for for uh, for this week. Okay, okay. And as we are now moving through the Thanksgiving holiday and moving towards the other winter holidays, such as uh, our friends who will celebrate Kwanzaa or who are looking forward to Hanukkah or Christmas, uh, all leading up to the New Year. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot more uh, festivities on the way, and so we'll be talking more about food and beverage over the next few weeks as we get into the holiday spirit and season. Um, I have been thinking about the fact that many people go and put their trees and stuff up this this week uh, once they get through the Thanksgiving holiday. I know some crazy people I've seen on on their social media feeds have been already putting trees up. Uh, and so I decided this year that I would do something a little bit different. Instead of our just throwing the tree up, I actually am going to do some yard decor. And uh, it's going to uh, have a very um, distinct uh, Christmas-y feel around the swimming pool, which will be fun. I hope that the weather will not get uh, too frightful for us here in Palm Springs. But in thinking about people going out and getting trees and starting to put that stuff up in their homes over the next week or so, uh, I thought I would ask you, because I know that this has been something that you've been kind of mulling over whether you would or would not do that, because that was something that was uh, important in your life together with your, with your partner, Danny. 
and um, have you decided whether or not there's going to be a tree in the in the uh, Richie Roy household this year? Hmm. I haven't decided yet. I'm still on the fence, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm leaning towards not. Um, but you know, I kind of go back and forth. Yeah. Um, but you know, TBD. You know, I'll keep you posted on that. You know, you did bring up something though. Um, in that, I I have to say, uh, you mentioned Kwanzaa, and. One of my favorite things in the world, if you have not seen it, is if you do you know about Sandra Lee? She used to have a show called Semi Homemade on Food Network. I don't know about um, that. No, she she is a, she was a a unique a unique person. She was a a force of nature. Um, I knew Sarah Lee, but only when I got her pie in my face. Yeah, no, Sandra Lee had this show called Semi Homemade where she would take kind of pre-made things and kind of gussy them up mm. and the show and she she kind of had a, a a little she a little bit of almost like she she was sort of like a drag queen in some ways just in her demeanor and she would do these tablescapes that were deranged um and she has a very infamous episode that uh of her show where she made a kwanzaa cake hmm. uh and you can, if you search on YouTube, you can find it. It was only aired, I think, once on Food Network, and it, and the blowback was so strong that they took it down immediately. But there are still some some copies of it floating around. But just watch, just watch this cake because what she does is she takes an angel food, like a bunt angel food cake, yeah, frosts it with this like like diarrhea brown frosting jams a bunch of huge black red and green candles into it and dumps apple pie filling into the hole oh and it's Lord. just the most horrific thing you've ever seen but she's so jazzed about it it's the i mean it, it is truly you have to see it to believe it and um i just every time this time of well, year there you go. there's always, your thanksgiving treat yeah, every every year I have to um, do a ritual wa- rewatching of the Sandra Lee Kwanzaa cake. So Google Sandra Lee Kwanzaa cake or Sandra Lee Harvest cake, and you will not be disappointed. <laughs> well, and tomorrow, the day following Thanksgiving, uh, as uh, this is when it or- our program originally airs, uh, is technically Black Friday. Although Black Friday seems to have started like 13 months ago when I started getting yeah. ads for this year's Black Friday uh, on my various email and social accounts. Um, are there any Black Friday specials that you're looking forward to taking advantage of in this gift-giving season, Richie? Hmm. No. No. <laughs> I don't like Black Friday. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't like... I don't like any of that, actually. Yeah. Because I think... Does that mean you're bah humbug to Cyber Monday or whatever it is? Yeah, it's just, you know, at the end of the day, um, like, I I like to give the gifts I want to give people. Mm -hmm. And and those gifts are meaningful and specific. Yeah. I'm not swayed to give a gift because there's a super deal. Like... Like that's not that's not why I'm in the gift giving business. Right. I give gifts to people because they're appropriate and perfect, and and so if it, I, 
I don't know. It's just the idea that like, oh, it's a flat screen TV is twenty five dollars instead of two hundred dollars. I'm gonna get get it. Like, no, I. It just it's very. I don't know. It's just not for me. One of the true social media treasures that I was able to enjoy this past week was seeing a vintage video of uh, I think nineteen eighties maybe era newscast when they were showing a story shot at a box store where people were like nearly <laughs> killing one another to get yeah. to a cabbage patch doll. Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> it just makes you remember, you know, this is what this season is really all about, <laughs> consumerism. Well, I have some good news for you. Um, mm -hmm. uh, something that you shared with us earlier uh, in this edition of the program. Uh, I was able to locate and we're going to go out uh, from this episode and wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving and a healthy and safe and sane holiday season. Don't get in too many political fights at the dinner table uh, tonight. But um, we're going to let John McLaughlin from the uh, McLaughlin Group uh, take us out on a um, fun holiday exit from the GBC Happy Hour. So, Richie Roy, happy birthday to you, and I'll see you next Thursday. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. <laughs>